Welcome to Catholic Messenger Conversations podcast. Today, our conversation partners are Patrick and Rachel Schmadke. Patrick is the Diocese of Davenport's Evangelization Director, and Rachel is a physical therapist. They are parents to three young children. The newest family member, Josephine, arrived January 19th. Is that right? And she's with us. You can't see her, but I can't see her either, but we're, we're excited about that. Our diocese has been focusing over the last year on fostering a sense of welcoming and belonging in our diocesan church. The domestic church, our families, offers plenty of opportunities to nurture welcoming and belonging. So let's begin our conversation with the Schmadkeys on welcoming and belonging in the domestic church. Does that sound okay? Sure. I didn't know what else to say about that. but So what does the domestic church look like in your family, Patrick and Rachel? Take us through a day in the life of the Schmadkeys now. Well, sometimes it's messy. <laughs> like this morning, <laughs> getting to school on time. <laughs> so, yeah, Matthew is a first grader. And Catherine is a three in three-year-old preschool this year at St. Paul the Apostle. So day in the life is kind of like getting them ready for school, which has been its own kind of season in the last couple of years to kind of transition to the structure of the day. Is, is that harder with, with Josephine there or what? Or do they want to spend time with Josephine and not go to school, for example? They do. They Both of them, I think, t- said they wanted to hold Josephine this morning as we're like trying to get their shoes and coats on. It's like now is not the time. <laughs> later. <laughs> do you, are you praying at that time then or what? I mean, what what do you do to try and negotiate that? To negotiate bribing with gummy bears. Oh, <laughs> no, not in the morning. Good, yeah. But they're getting better as we've kind of built routine over time. But yeah, this has been, especially since Josephine was born, it's been harder to kind of like leave. It's hard for me to leave for work. Oh, I, I want to just like stay at home. Oh my God. So Rachel, how do you deal with that? Cause you are home, right? I'm assuming you're at home yes. with this baby right now. Yes. Um, it's just me and Josephine for the most part during the day. So we are, yeah, a couple times Pat has had the kids so I can go back to sleep and then I'll wake up again as they're all getting ready. And so jumping into the routine when they're in the middle of it. Oh, that's great. Um, is, a little wild sometimes. Yeah, it's a little chaotic in the morning. We're just kind of trying to move kids along the the process. <laughs> so, yeah, there's not a whole lot of, uh, yeah, of spiritual in the morning at home. Oh, that's right. But, I wouldn't expect that. I just, because, I mean, spiritual is how your family, right? I mean, that that's part of who you are. And to me, that's that's part of the lived experience of your of your. Christian tradition, right? I mean, it's just trying to be the best parents you can be. (laughs) In the moment, at a given time, on a given day. (laughs) I remember there was a nun who once told me, because I said, you know, I didn't, I have a son with autism, and as he was growing up, I I don't think I was very patient, and I said, I think I'm a failure. And she said, no, she said, you need to look at it as every moment is another moment in time. And maybe in that one moment you didn't do a very good job, but there are lots of many, many more moments during the day where you can do better. And I, I, I thought, oh, I can capture each moment as a different moment. To mm, that's try relatable. And prove. <laughs> it's yeah. all a journey. It's all a journey. Mornings don't contain our best moments, probably, but um, in the evening we have a little more structure. Um, and normally I pick up the kids. After work, I work um, as a physical therapist at Genesis East at the hospital. Um, it's really right next to their school. 
So I'm kind of right next to the big kids normally when I'm at school. So I'm kind of the picker-upper on a usual schedule. And I've got Matthew to understand that if I'm running late to pick to pick them up, it's because I'm helping one more person. So trying to oh, trying to put the emphasis on yeah on the positive and not on the ah sorry it's late and you're hungry and we're tired and everyone's struggling because it's five fifteen or whatever. Um, but then once we get home and people are fed, the evenings can can go can go a little smoother for us. Um, and Matthew's such a nurturer that that appeals to him. Like, mommy's helping one more person oh, at yeah. the hospital. Like, oh, that's so cool. He's very for that. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> it makes mean, him more patient with that me. That is so – how did you come up with that? I, I guess I would have never even thought about that. That's just really excellent. Well, sometimes that's why my day is longer because I had to help one more person. Like, just try to squeeze in one more session, and then it takes me over my – expected time to be done so then I'm like ah well oh well and I I realize that when you're someone told me you're hangry you're hungry and angry that makes it so so um (laughs) hangry can really make you not for not be maybe as charitable right (laughs) absolutely we've just exchanged snacks for after school pickup for the kids today so that (laughs) the children (laughs) do better oh that's a good idea yeah that's awesome. And so what else? So tell me about the evening then. So you, you, you have dinner. Who makes dinner? Me. 95% of the time, probably. Mm-hmm. But we try to do a combination of leftovers and, you know, like make meal every couple days. And I work four days a week when I'm working. Yeah. So like try to have a rhythm of having some leftovers and not having to make dinner from scratch at 530 is usually doesn't go well. Yeah, so so I'll make meals on the days I'm off or we'll do something quick Mm -hmm. if we don't have like a meal already prepped. So yeah, trying to get kids in chairs is is a little stressful sometimes, but once we get them there, kind of get a meeting and they're both good eaters. So that's good normally. And dinner is kind of a time when things turn more like to intentionality. Like sometimes during dinner we... We'll go around the table and we'll ask the question, what was your favorite or most memorable sight, sound, taste, touch, or smell from the day? Oh, and cool. we'll either, we don't usually get through all of them, but it's an interesting way to kind of unpack how everybody's day was. Matthew has already turned to the kind of, when we ask him, well, how was school? Like, fine. Or yes, what did yeah. you learn today? I don't remember. Oh, well, that's great. So how did, so... <laughs> Do you remember anything about your day? <laughs> yeah, what did you do today? Were you at school today? So, but by asking about like a specific... the most memorable sound or something oh, like that, might bring cool. out something from music class or taste will bring out something from lunch or a snack time or oh, sight. Cool. Uh, he sees the hospital from the playground where Rachel works. And so that's like, oh, he's given us a window into his day now. Um, and then we can share that too. Mm-hmm. And how do you do with that with Catherine? She's three? Is she three? Mm, three and a half. Three and a half. So how do you... And uh, she, she shares as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes She does sometimes like repeat what he says, but <laughs> she's getting better at it over time, kind of oh, honing cool. in on things. Or sometimes we'll begin the day when I drop them off at school. Like, so tonight, let's talk about sound or taste, like to invite oh, them okay. to focus in on a sense for the day. Very to good. kind of share that then at the end of the day as a family. 
A lot of times hers is a recent, like maybe whatever she had as a snack on the way home. <laughs> oh, that's great. She doesn't always go really back really like the far. taste of that cookie or something yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what about like prayer or um, do, do you read scripture yeah. to them or what, 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 how do you do that? What, what's that like? Prayer at dinner time is definitely our most like structured uh-huh. part of like family prayer. So we'll pray um, either, you know, either one of two kind of like wrote prayers. And then uh-huh. after that, we uh, copied from friends that they have this practice of saying God bless, like in a circle and you say the person next to you. So oh, we kind neat. of adopted their, uh, their practice of saying God bless and going in a circle. So we'll do that, um, oh, try to get around neat. the table, <laughs> get people to say the person next to them. And then at the end of that, um, part of preparing to welcome Josephine was adding and God bless baby that we all say together at the end. Oh, that's um, so cool. So once we make it around our, our little group of four was saying, um, God bless baby while we were expecting her. And now we say, God bless Josephine, of course. Oh, that's um, great. She's here. But yeah, that's one way that we that we have that structure. Okay. Oh, that's really neat. And that we did that when Matthew was still the only child and we were expecting Catherine. Mm-hmm. That really nurtured his imagination. And now both of their imaginations to sort of anticipate this new family member uh, oh, and grow great. excitement. And At the table with us kind of already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other prayer things are sort of like often structured by the liturgical season. Oh, okay. Um, just recently we were, we made it to mass on time by making all the green lights, but on our way we were like, okay, there's no way we're going to make the first reading. So let's just read the first reading in the car. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> but yeah. That's intentionality. You're you're there in spirit. Yes. <laughs> Maybe not in person. Um, and and so you kind of described that. I was going to ask you how do you prepared your two older children, Matthew and Catherine, to welcome their baby sister into your family of faith. So, were there any other things you did? To, I mean, she's still pretty new to them, right? She's been here what a month? Mm, no, not even. Yeah, three, three weeks. Almost three weeks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we'll start talking about baptism soon. We have like a baptism, like a child, children's baptism book that kind of uh-huh. goes through the main parts of the rite with pictures and everything. We'll go through pictures from their baptisms to uh-huh. sort of hone in on on that. We do like name and kind of celebrate their baptism day oh, that's um, great. with each of them. So that's like a birthday. Ca- yeah. That's really nice. So that's a so way. So they each know their baptismal date. They probably, if you asked, if you quizzed them, they wouldn't. But that's so cool. But so, and yet. so you've written that down somewhere, right? Cause we I know. don't. Because, yeah. um, and so, so Pope Francis would be really pleased because he thinks people should know their baptism dates. That's true. Yeah. I forgot about that. Well, yeah. we'll have to make flashcards. <laughs> Whose baptism date is this? <laughs> I just realized I'm not sure if I know my own baptism date, but I know that. That's right. The, the older two kids. We attend to the kids for sure. Yeah. I Do you know think I, ju- I don't. I don't either. Oh, no. I should look see, into this. I, see, I'm thinking I was born on April 1st, and I know that I was baptized like three weeks after I was born, so I guess right, like probably April 21st or something like that. Oh. Because <laughs> I've seen a picture of my mom holding this, you know, infant, mm-hmm. and, and she told me, I'm sure she told me it's three weeks after, but so... I can kind of guess. I know approximate dates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One another kind of calendar structured thing that we do is also well, Matthew, Catherine, 
and Josephine each have saint names, and so the feast day for the saint. Oh, okay. Attend to in a special way. So, feast of Saint Matthew, and his middle name is Ambrose. So the feast of Saint Ambrose as well. And oh, that's so cool! Did you name him after Saint Ambrose? Yes. Yeah. So Rachel and I met here at, at Saint, saint Ambrose, Ambrose. Yeah. And learned about Ambrose the person, and he's pretty cool saint. He's a very right? cool saint. Yeah. Very underknown, underappreciated, but very a yeah. champion of the poor and the oppressed for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, he did lots of amazing things worth learning about. Oh, so that's great. Wanted to give names to them that they could kind of live into. And who is Catherine named after? Catherine of Siena. Oh, not Catherine the Great. Okay, that's good. Yes. <laughs> and why Catherine, Catherine of Siena? Why, why Catherine of Siena? Um. So we wanted to give her a name, again, well, with all the kids, a name that they could live into. But um, we've sort of been inspired by Catherine of Siena's life um, and sort of her conviction and love for God and the way that she lived that out in the church in speaking up to and uh, being advisors to the Pope and to other um, church leaders at the time. Uh, Just a, a woman who was kind of fearless in her love for God in the way that she lived that out is... Oh, that's great. I forgot to ask you, Matthew, I mean, did you name Matthew after the apostle, I'm assuming, or...? Yeah. I, I, we... So in Matthew's gospel, um, I find lots of enrichment... I'll just speak for myself. I find lots of enrichment there, and in particular, the way that Matthew is addressing both his Jewish and Gentile, uh-huh. this kind of mixed audience, and he... Uh, constructs narratives that are able to bring these two communities together in the name of Jesus. And so this kind of theme of bringing together that, is, which is only apparently disparate, but in reality uh, harmonious, is um, a skill that also Ambrose lived out. Uh, but Matthew, in his writing of his gospel, it's a masterpiece. So mm-hmm. that's a thing for Matthew to learn in time. Wow. Oh, that's really, I mean, you put a lot of thought into this then, don't you? Into the we, naming. Yeah. That's funny because it, we, so for all three of our kids, you can tell this story, just that we didn't know. So it's been a surprise, whether it's been a boy or a girl. Okay. And then, so we have a list of a few names for boy and girl. I got And then it. we kind of meet the little one and. And you decide. Oh, okay. It. it takes us the majority of our hospitalization to oh, uh, to decide on the name. On the name. So, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> it's been every time that everyone's like, "Okay, uh, what's the name?" So we have to. And then did you? And then do you back. research it, or do you circle back first? Do you start looking? Like Josephine, how did you come? How did sure? You yeah. Josephine? So Josephine. We we just think it's a, it's a beautiful name um, that we both like. Uh, but also there's um, a couple pretty interesting saints that are also Saint, like St. Saint Josephine. So there's St. Josephine Vanini who um, committed her life to helping the sick and the hospitalized and um, started an organization that's still at work today in the world helping like the sick and hospitalized. Oh, that's so that's cool. obviously close to my heart, um, working in the hospital. Uh-huh. And then um, also St. Josephine Bakita was a saint in Africa who was eventually brought to Italy and then was able to join um, and become a sister when she eventually had, well, she was a slave, so she was sold many times um, in Africa and then eventually uh-huh. came to, to Italy. So she's... Um, 
also a woman who's been through a lot and a very strong character. So a lot of strong, strong characters there. So yeah, first name Josephine and also goes with the middle name that we wanted for her as well. And what's her middle name? So her middle name is Ellen and uh, that's the name of my grandmother who passed on the evening that Josephine was born. Oh, that's right. And so Hmm. that was also just a, an intense like moment at this juxtaposition of life and death. Um, Oh yeah. And so wanted to, carry on that sort of family name and give Josephine a name to live into. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Um, Where do prayer, liturgy, and sacrament fit into your domestic church? One thing recently that Matthew has been working on, and so Matthew just turned seven a couple weeks ago, and so in the last year or so, he's been learning how to read and spell, and he's all excited about this. And at the same time, we're trying to nurture his participation in mass. And so I brought home a, a missile, a, uh-huh. the missile that we use at mass, and he typed up his own missile that he can kind of follow along uh-huh. during mass and then um, know what words are coming. And that is kind of a way that we nurtured excitement on his part. To That's pretty, that. pretty impressive. He typed up his own missile? He, it's an abbreviated one, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah. It took a while. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. He likes it. Oh, that's great. Although he's sort of, I think we missed a part, and he's not happy about that, so we need to go update it. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> we need to great. Add what we missed. So does he do it in print? So he, did he print it out so he can take it with him to mm-hmm. church? Yeah, he's just like a little half, like paper folded in, in half. Oh, that's great. Booklet. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's pretty, pretty ingenious in my in my opinion. Well. Wow. So what else? Are you teaching them prayers? Are you, um, what else are you doing? Yeah, like at bedtime. One of the things we've been doing at bedtime is singing um, one verse of the song, Day is Done. Uh And they've both memorized that. And we sing that as a family at bedtime. Um, and then after that song, kind of recently in the past couple months, we started doing crosses on each other's foreheads. Oh, so that's neat. I'm not sure when we really switched to doing that, but we would sometimes do it like after they were sleeping, like we'll go check on them uh-huh. and then we'll draw like a little cross on their forehead. Oh, that's neat. And then at some point it switched to like, maybe we should do that while they're awake. <laughs> and then they can, <laughs> then they can have the experience of us doing that to their forehead. Oh, and that's then, wonderful. so now we all do it to each other. Oh, that's great. Um, which is which is kind of special. And we say, God bless you, like, as we draw the cross. Uh-huh. So they should be all set for Ash Wednesday now. Yes. <laughs> that's right. They'll be able to apply their own ashes. Right yeah. Right. So, so um, that's been kind of a new – so between the song and then the cross, that's sort of like our end of the night, like, miniature. Oh, that's nice. Liturgical time together. I would think that would be very peaceful, too. I mean, that would give a sense of, of – um, protection or a sense Mm. of um quiet or something i don't know it definitely i feel like a um almost closure almost to the day yeah it's a nice way to bookend at least the end of the day Mm -hmm. maybe we should do it at the beginning of the day too as we are trying to get out the door (laughs) (laughs) for sure so i'm I'm wondering now you have an ecumenical household how do you share the commonalities and differences with your children Mm. This is something. This is really important to us. Like on a side note, a little bit. Like there's lots of research that says 
that the children of those who are in interfaith marriages mm-hmm. are less likely to be practicing any religion at all as mm-hmm. adults. And what has been found over time is that that often is linked to because there were differences amongst the parents, those differences were swept under the rug and just not addressed. Mm, okay. So then the children growing up uh, and into adulthood perce- perceived it to just not be important. Yeah. And so we want to go, yeah, kind of in the opposite direction and just be open and honest about things. They're still pretty young to kind of engage mm-hmm. differences. Yes. But uh, in our own past, I mean, the differences have brought out gross in both of us so Mm -hmm. we'll be viewing it's hard to paint with broad strokes of course but like the differences are opportunities for creative or generative tension as opposed to sort of destructive uh, disagreement or something where things can't be resolved so Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's kind of an approach that shapes shapes so much the way we approach it, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, the commonalities that we really have been very successful with leaning into are some, including like prayers that we have in common, um, music that we all appreciate. So using music like Day is Done, like lots of overlapping songs, mm-hmm. like lots of liturgical concepts there um, that we both appreciate. And then uh, we also both really enjoy Patrick obviously dives a lot deeper with his um, studies than I do, but the the scholarly and historical material to learn about the, you know, because all of our faith grew out of the same apostles and the same early church, and there's a really rich uh, tradition of um, one of which being of the saints that all of our children have received um, either, at least portions of their name of. Um, from the saints. So just kind of learning more about some of that history has really like broadened my understanding of, of the faith and, um, you know, kind of how to look at, so this is sort of like an example of like a difference, I guess, but looking at the saints as, um, like intercessory for us versus saints as models of faith versus really not having an awareness of saints at all, which is where I started off. Um, so there's a lot we can learn from each other and just kind of like the dialogue of coming from different places can give us, you know, more conversations and kind of open up, open up doors of, of learning that we maybe otherwise wouldn't be opening if we thought we were on the same page for everything. It's it's wonderful. I mean, learning about the lives of the saints and the, and delving into that a little bit deeper, it it is, it's really fascinating, isn't it? I mean, the, the lives they lived and that, that, that they weren't perfect. Some of those saints, you know, had some real challenges, maybe physically and mentally sometimes, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I think of even St. Ignatius. Wow. That guy was a, you know, he started out being a real, you know, he's, sort of like a lady chaser and then he ends up becoming the you know a founder of a you know of a religious order I mean just and 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 one that has endured after all these centuries and that's just really amazing and and that there's a spirituality that people of many Christian faiths can embrace Mm -hmm. and I, I find that fascinating that that's that's really cool 
Yeah. Another area that we both kind of enjoy is trying to add some art to our house, like religious art, a few art pieces. Um, One that's up right now is the image of Mary and Elizabeth, um, like meeting with their Mm -hmm. pregnant bellies. And so... All the visitation. Yeah. Yeah. So they... Yeah, so it's an image of, of both of them, Mary and Elizabeth. Uh, you can probably describe it better than I can. That is neat. It's, That's a, it's a pretty contemporary, like a recent, it's not like a Renaissance art piece. It's very modern right. and just very colorful, and there's so much joy. And oh, that's great. And that's exuding from the piece. And so that's, I, mean, I think I got that for you when you were pregnant with Catherine. Mm-hmm. And so we had that in our living room. For Matthew oh, that's and neat. on the way, that's and now that's been in our living room again, um, as a way to prepare the kids, prepare us. Yeah, remind us. Biblical moment and encounter. Yeah, I think a lot about Mary expecting Jesus during the Advent, being pregnant during Advent is oh, a great time yeah. to be pregnant because <laughs> <laughs> because it's that expectancy, 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 and thinking of like Mary and how how do they give birth back then you know just imagining like what she must have gone through like it's hard enough in this day and age so um yeah so that's a great time to be pregnant for the kids and for me and for our whole family really is just like this expectancy expectancy waiting 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 um and then for our baby to come after Christmas um obviously gave us just a little more time to wait um in that season but um, both kids know that, like, that's Mary with Jesus and Elizabeth with John. Like, Catherine was learning that. Oh, that's Kind of this neat. winter during during Advent and, and following that. So Was that just awe-inspiring for them? I mean, they must have been so excited just thinking about about that, about baby Jesus and about they're going to be having We're a baby, have a baby. Yeah. family. I. You know, did that make Christmas more special for them, or or are they too young yet to grasp it? I mean, it helped me grasp, <laughs> like the idea, just the idea of Jesus coming as a baby. Yeah. Once, like now that we have kids, is the fragility of of an, of an infant and of God. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of makes one pause and think. And the vulnerability that that God would be willing to make himself vulnerable, right? Mm. And this baby is vulnerable. You have, you have to... Takes your breath away. Yeah. It's just amazing. Wow. Um, let's see. So what else can I ask you? I was going to ask you, welcoming and belonging involve building relationships. How do you practice that with your children in the home, and how do you pr- pr- practice relationship building outside the home? Uh, I think outside the home... We're try we try to be intentional about having the kids like in the front yard or like to go on walks around the block to like get to know people in the neighborhood more. Oh, that's good. At, when we lived in Indiana, our house had a front porch and there was a porch swing on the front porch, and we would spend an hour or more most evenings out there, and uh-huh. the mailman would come up to the house, and the neighbors would be walking by or driving by, and Matthew just was this little extrovert. Two-year-old, loving to talk to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And um, our house here doesn't have that same kind of structure Uh to it. We were talking about, like, well, can we, like, build a porch swing on the front porch? Like, how can we create the space for 
our home to be a space where outward facingness happens as oh, opposed to everything nice. happening in the backyard. Um, so we oh, have that's neat. very friendly neighbors and our kids know them and we try to nurture that relationship as much as we can. I think mm-hmm. that's wonderful. And we have a glider. No, we, we do. We have a porch glider. Oh, that's great. Don't have a, it's not a swing, but it's a glider, and, and it's great. And you're waiting for the warm enough weather yes. to be out there, right? I mean, it's it's been unseasonably mild, but not really glider weather probably yet. Not front porch with a baby weather yet, yeah. but we'll be there <laughs> hopefully before I go back to work. I'll oh, get that's, some, that's wonderful. some good porch sitting with Josephine. Um, um, you know, you talked about dealing, and I know we just have a couple of minutes, but you talk about dealing with the mess and messiness of daily life when things don't go perfectly. How do you, like, practice mercy in those cases? What, what, what's, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes we're not so merciful, merciful with each other, especially in your family sometimes. Yeah. Maybe that doesn't happen to your family. Oh, it does. But yeah. sort of it sometimes happens in our family. I think there's a, Daniel Tiger is a children's cartoon based off of the tradition of Fred Rogers. And there's this little tune that goes, um, when you feel so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. And oh, then nice. you actually count to four. So that that we used with Matthew and, again, with Catherine and I'm sure we will with Josephine. Josephine. Oh, <laughs> but like forgiveness is a... Yeah, trying to instill the vocabulary of forgiveness, which is a more recent, because Matthew's only in first grade, so this is, these concepts are new, but he asked me just the other day, or he said, um, I don't think we should love robbers, <laughs> just out of the blue, oh, wow. we should not love robbers, and so I said, oh, why, why is that, like, just yeah. meeting with the question, and he explained, well, they, they take things, and that's not good, so I don't think we should love them, and so, um, I posted him the question then, well, what do you think God thinks about them? Does God love them? And he said, yeah, God loves them. And I said, well, then should we love them too? And he said, yes, we should love them because God loves them. And so that's been a helpful kind of approach is to meet statements or questions with more questions and then just let him do the unpacking. Oh, that's Um, wonderful. So in conflict, in the messiness, uh, the same, like, should we have? Should you have treated your sister that way, or yeah. kind of like let him come to the conclusion that he already knows the answer to, um, but on his own? For then, me, it would probably be: Should I have treated you that way? <laughs> <laughs> well, we all we all. I made an apology this morning in the car. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, where you try to be really intentional about that too is like, I'm sorry, I got frustrated. So like. Yeah. I'm sorry, mommy got overwhelmed. Yeah. I got frustrated. I'm sorry. Um, I there was too much going on. I'm gonna reset now. And oh, so, like, okay. trying to talk them through our coming down yeah. off of like some of those high emotions. Yeah. Trying to model that and not being too proud to say I'm sorry to our kids or not being too proud to like start to use the terminology like to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Pat said, we're gonna we're kind of starting to starting to use some of that language of like, forgiveness. Like mom and so. dad are not perfect, right? No, exactly. And so I think we just need to mo- not be afraid to model some of that messiness and yeah. our own ability to work through it for yeah. them, so they don't yeah. think that 
you know, everyone else except for them, you know, doesn't make any mistake. That's just totally unrealistic. Um, A couple other good resources that we really um, have appreciated. One that um, gave us a good amount of insight is a book called The Temperament God Gave Your Child. Oh, nice. I don't have the author off the top of my head, but um, it was a great book that described four um, temperaments, caloric, melancholic, sanguine, and phlegmatic as just the way that we're kind of wired. And so trying to understand, like understanding ourselves and how we are wired and then trying to understand our kids. We read this book and it was like, oh, yeah, that's Matthew. He's caloric. He is intense, passionate, intense. He feels everything intensely, like... But he has so much wonderful, positive energy when he's on the right track with something that he's unstoppable. But if he's on the wrong track, he's also a, a, a force <laughs> to be reckoned with, kind of, So, um, as the calorics are. And so it, it was kind of a good way of, like, here are the strengths, here are the weaknesses, here's what to kind of watch out for with these different temperaments. Definitely not like a – it's definitely not a key to – unlocking everything but yeah. it 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 brought a lot of good insights and it's oh, been one awesome. that we've we've enjoyed probably should circle back and read it again it's been a year or two probably since we picked it up so, so what are the resources i like that i'm, I'm gonna check that one out um, we also enjoy the uh, love languages okay. like the five love languages um, that's helped us a lot as a couple and just kind of and another one we need to circle back to because it's been years again since we read that book um so, and I've, we, you know, there's lots of, there's lots and lots of, of different books out there. Um, Chris and Sarah's podcasts. Oh, yeah. I've, Sarah's. What's that? <laughs> so, um, Sarah and Annie have a podcast. Um, okay. Laughs and Littles is a podcast of oh. two um, young moms, Catholic moms, just kind of working through life with their families and trying to do a lot of wonderful, wonderful things. So they have some good examples and good recommendations and just kind of how they're doing liturgy, how they're doing Advent, how they're doing Lent, like just kind of talking through it as, as friends and moms. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so that's wonderful. been a resource as well for us to kind of get some ideas sometimes. And they're good at bringing the mess into focus too. Like <laughs> this was our goal for mass today and it did not happen. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. So they're very down to earth about it all too. That's wonderful. It has been wonderful. I know we, you know, I probably talk too much, but boy, I sure enjoyed hearing what you had to say and sharing a little bit of your life in the domestic church. This has been great, Barb. Thank Thank you, Barb. Thank you so much. Just the conversation has been a gift, allowing us to kind of return to, yeah, our priorities and how are we being a a domestic church at home? I hope you'll come back and talk with us again. It'd be fun to have another conversation. Deal. We'll bring Josephine. Okay. Okay. Have her do some talking. She can. She might provide a different perspective. That's right. The rest of the story, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We look forward to the next Catholic Messenger Conversations.